We all pot down here. Once, there were three bears that lived in a dark and wet cave above a small town. Every day, Little Bear went to school, and at night would come home and eat dinner. But one day, the Little Bear came home, and Big Bear and Baby Bear were different. Big Bear got sick, and his insides turned black. Big Bear has become more angrier and meaner, because they had no food, no meat. But they had each other. Welcome to We All Pot down here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. This week we'll be reviewing Antlers from, I'd say 2021, but let's just also point out this was originally supposed to be released on April 17th, 2020, and then it got pushed to February 19th, 2021, and finally got actually released on October 29th, 2021. Thank you, COVID. COVID's been a nightmare for releases yeah that's what you and i were talking about recently that i was like some of these movies that were supposed to be released in like end of 2019 2021 or 2020 all of these ended up being so much later released it kind of feels like the years just merged into one almost yeah 2020 was a very strange year for releases like yeah. 20 like a lot of the stuff that was supposed to come out then came out in 2021 and 2021 was just a clusterfuck. Yeah. So a quick overview. Antlers is a story about a young boy who's living in a small town in Oregon, but he has a huge secret. His teacher believes it could be abuse, but is that the horror, or is it something more supernatural? And per usual, our references are going to be Wikipedia, IMDb, and also, oddly enough, this week we're going to be using the ICD-10, the Classification of Mental and Behavioral Disorders from the World Health Organization. All right, and then the cast and crew, we have our director, Scott Cooper, who is also one of the writers of the screenplay. There were a lot of producers attached to this, but the primary name that everyone's going to be familiar with is Guillermo del Toro. This was written by Nick Antosca, and it was, this was based upon a short story that he wrote called The Quiet Boy. And he was also one of the screenplay writers and an executive producer. And another writer is Henry Chason. The cast, we have... Carrie Russell as Julia Meadows. You might know her from Felicity. She was in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. And she was in the, in the 1991 revival of the Mickey Mouse Club. We have Caitlin Peterson as a young Julia Meadows. Couldn't find a whole lot about her other work. We have Jesse Plemons as Paul Meadows. You may remember him mostly from Friday Night Lights and Fargo. And he's been in a lot of different things. We have Jeremy T. Thomas as Lucas Weaver. He was in the Amazon production of Lore, which is a really great podcast. I highly recommend that. I know you're a big fan of that too, Britt. Oh, for sure. It's one of the more well-known ones, obviously, but I love it. We have Graham Greene as Warren Stokes. He was very well-known for being in Dances with Wolves. He has a really long filmography. He was also in Atlantic Rim, which was torn apart by Riff Tracks beautifully. No, no, wait, that wasn't Rift Tracks. That was MST3K who did that, wasn't it? The mm -hmm. Netflix revival. Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> even, a, even a great actor such as Graham Greene couldn't save that turd. And we have Scott Hayes um, as Frank Weaver. He was in Venom and the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion. We have Rory Cochran as Dan LaCroix. 
who is known for Days and Confused and Empire Records. Amy Madigan as Ellen Booth. She was known for Twice in a Lifetime. Cody Davis as Clint Owens, who was in Good Boys and The Flash TV show. And we have Sawyer Jones as Aiden Weaver, who was in Modern Family. All right. Now that we're done the cast and crew, would you like to go into our spoiler-free review? Sure. Would you like to kick it off? I'll let you kick it off. Because I have a lot to say. <laughs> so for me, Antlers had a lot of potential, especially with the usage of the Wendigo, which is a very, very interesting story and a lot of folklore behind it. And it could have been a really interesting horror film revolving around that. The end result, though, was just bang average. Like, it wasn't great, wasn't bad, it was just kind of exists. You know, The Legend of the Wendigo is a total afterthought in this. They spend, like, what? a minute and a half yeah. on it, and then they just throw it away and kind of go down Tropeville. And it just it, it makes a, a plot that doesn't go anywhere very interesting. It's kind of boring. It kind of drags and boring at times, and at other times it's just kind of like, yeah, I saw that coming. And it, it, this could have been a movie that, if they really would have focused on the legend, it could have been amazing. But it just went the other direction. You know, you could have had something great like Mothman, but we didn't get that. And it just quickly dissolves into the ether of predictability. It just, it wasn't great. It's not terrible. You know, general audience might appreciate some of it because it's, again, it dials back to a lot of horror tropes. But overall, this could have been something a lot more than it ended up being. And it was pretty disappointing for me. Yeah, I feel very similar. That I feel like this was a movie I've been looking forward to since I heard about it in the early 2020. You freaked out. like You're like, oh my god, the, the Wendigo. You were just like all about this. Yeah, I was very excited. And I was kind of, I knew it was called Antlers, which obviously the original Wendigo legend doesn't involve anything with the Antlers. That's a more modern take on it. But I was really hoping that somehow they could kind of tie it together in some way. So... My thought was like you could when they do the explanation, they could have explained like how the original legend, you know, more about what was in the original legend and Wendigo psychosis and all this stuff could have gone into that. But and then maybe had some explanation for why we now see them with antlers, you know, and about how it's like this almost like the curse passed around. But instead, that's not what happens. And we'll get into that more within the spoiler piece of it. There's not much to spoil. I mean, it's not a spoiler that it's a Wendigo. I mean, that's very obvious from the get-go. I mean, even just like the most very basic commercial of it, I knew it was a Wendigo. The biggest problem was me being so excited for this. And then it took so long to release that I think I really, really built it up in my mind. And that's part of why I think it became also very lackluster. Had I got to see it right away, I don't know if I would have been as disappointed as I was. Like, there aren't really any that I really recall of film representations of the Wendigo. There are. Not, ma not many that I know of, at least. No, not, uh, not much that's mainstream, but yeah. there, there are quite a few, actually. In this story, they mainly are trying to use the Wendigo as, like, more metaphors than they needed to. Like, it felt like it was the metaphor for abuse, the metaphor for drug use and addiction and just all this stuff. And it was all of those tried to roll into one, which made it a little chaotic, I guess. So it felt really all over the place. But like I said, the legend's been twisted over the years. Again, I'll go more into the original folklore a little later in this. But I guess overall... I guess I, I was bothered also by the fact that they they really do just gloss over the Wendigo legend. It is so briefly mentioned. Graham Greene does a great job with his role. He's you know supposed to be the original sheriff that's been retired, and he's clearly you know First Nations, 
but they're sitting there talking to him. He explains the legend, and they're like, "All right, goodbye." Like that, and that's it. Like we have almost no explanation of it. They totally dismiss the guy too. They just act as if like, "Yeah, you're just some crazy guy." When in reality, they should have listened to him. Yeah, and he should have had a much more prominent role in this. He should have been a major character, and he was just a total throwaway and this disrespectful to the legend and really disrespectful to the performer. Yeah. Because he's a great actor and he could have really added to this if he would have given him a more prominent part. Oh, absolutely. The one thing I will give this movie, though, I actually did like the design of the Wendigo, which I'm sure was helped by Guillermo del Toro's presence because he's very sure. good at helping with those kind of designs. Creature design was fine. It's oh, just yeah, no. everything else was just far off the mark. Yeah. I felt like this movie didn't know what it wanted to be. Did it want to be more about the metaphor? Did it want to be more about the scary creature? I mean, it just felt like it was like trying to do so much with so little time and it just didn't have time to do so. And I've read part of The Quiet Boy, which is Nick Acosta's short story. I haven't finished it, but I feel like this is going to be one of the many times where the book, or again, in this case, the short story is going to be better than the movie. But with that, do you want to go into our spoiler review, or do you have anything else you want to add? No, not much else to add on the non-spoilery part, so let's spoil some shit. All right, so... Spoiler alert. (laughs) I guess for me, there's not much to spoiler. I mean, this movie's about a Wendigo. I mean, it's about a guy who is transformed... The the father of Lucas is transformed into a Wendigo. And he's also set up a meth lab in a mine. Yeah, so he's got the meth lab in the mine. Apparently a Wendigo shows up there and kills his friend that's his meth partner, I guess. And he's brought his young son, son Aiden, there. So he's brought this little kid. Looks like he's like five or six, something like that. So it's like the other guy was like the Luigi to his Mario. If they, if those two were, you know, not plumbers, they were in a meth lab. And then little Toad walks in. And oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and and Bowser was the was the Wendigo. <laughs> Would have been more entertaining. Yeah, but basically, you know, there's some stuff hung up in the mind that I guess is supposed to represent like stuff that's supposed to keep the Wendigo away. Yeah, like stuff to ward it off. That's kind of the the vibe I got from that. So apparently they knew it was there. Well, most of the people I don't think knew it was there. Someone knew it was there. Somebody knew it was there, and they just like, whatever. Yeah, well, so then they ended up, you know, the dad comes home. He's clearly been infected. They treat it almost like how a virus would be treated, Mm -hmm. but it also seems like that it can only infect one person at a time. Yeah. So it goes from the dad... And eventually, when they kill the dad, goes to Aiden, the little boy, and then he gets killed. But Aiden was kind of fucked up, too. Well, he was, but I think... The Not po- to the same level. Well, but- I think that was the point, is that only one could be at a time, so that's why he didn't start transforming until the dad died. Yeah. And then, I guess, the essence of it transferred to him. So they tra- treated it kind of like a combination of like if a virus and like a poltergeist, or not a poltergeist, but like a like a demonic spirit that like could a possession. Yeah, kind of thing. thank you, a possession. Like as it, they treated it more like a possession that which could again, transform is- you into this creature that essentially used you as a host, like almost like a parasite too. Yeah. Well, that's why I was kind of thinking more of the possession kind of thing, because mm-hmm. it feels like it's like a single entity jumping. So again, it jumps to Aiden, they kill Aiden, and then obviously it seems by the end of this it's jumped to Lucas, but then also Julia's brother, Paul, who's mm-hmm. the, you know, the main, I guess he's the main sheriff of the town. And again, this is a really small town. It represents a lot of those really small towns, you know, even like, not so much places like Pittsburgh, because but 
in that much vein. Much smaller than that. Like, well, no, but I'm thinking more in the vein of the Rust Belt and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this kind is kind of like Pacific Northwest, small backwoods town. Yeah. Yeah, but it gives you the impression that there used to be like a booming industry there, possibly of like mining and stuff. Hence why they were in the mines. And yeah. then now that all that's dried up. Now there's not as many jobs, and so that's why people have turned to meth. This mm-hmm. talks about, you know, that's dealing with meth, the opioid crisis, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And again, I feel like it's trying to deal with too many issues at once. The issue of abuse. We don't really seem, I don't get the vibe that the dad was ever abusive. He was actually quite protective for a meth dealer. You know, it's like he was trying to protect these kids. Like, the older son... He was trying to protect him because he he locked himself and Aiden away in like, from him. Yeah, like in an attic. And he's like, "Don't come in here." And he's like, he doesn't want to hurt him. Well, even, he didn't seem like a bad father. No, and even when like he would bring him food, like he would tell him like, "Get away, get away." Like he mm-hmm. like he, it's like he knew that he wanted to eat. It, it gets you it gives you a vibe. He wanted to eat human flesh, kind of thing. Yeah, and he and didn't he, want to hurt his son. Yeah, but then of course later when the principal comes up. That's when he just like all bets are off because now he got out. Well, he got out because the principal came up there. Remember? Mm-hmm, that's right. And, yeah. And he killed and ate part of her, and that's kind of I guess when that he, was like the transition point. Yeah. So it when kind of feels full, like when he went half Wendigo to full Wendigo. Yeah, it's kind of like he was like I don't know how to describe it, like a cocoon, like it, like he, it, it shed him, it shed his his body as a skin. Like, like like a cocoon. Like yeah. it was like the, the larva in the cocoon and burst out as full windigo and his body was just kinda left burst open. Yeah. Which that was kind of a cool effect. It was a cool effect and again you could see like the they, they say like, you know, his basically his insides turned black, but you could see like the red, like almost like heart beating mm-hmm. within him. And I guess it kind of felt that he was possessed but wasn't fully possessed no. until he ate human flesh. And that was kind of the point where it just like is the full transition point. Yeah. And I feel like again that they're trying to do this with a lot of the metaphor behind like an addiction and stuff like that like almost like the tipping point warren stokes talked about that yeah which was just like you said this movie try was trying to be about felt like about seven or eight different things at the same time it just devolved into a total lack of focus and if it could have focused on something specific yeah and i feel like with the monster you know obviously it's the guy himself i don't feel is a monster but you know the, the wendigo creature I feel like that it was very much in the vein of like Jaws, you know, where it's just kind of like you get glimpses till the very end and then it's full on there. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what they were trying to do with it. Again, you start out with someone gets killed and you obviously know something's wrong. And then we move on to like little glimpses of it. There's a point where the bully comes in there. Um, He's been bullying Lucas and his name's Clint Owens. Yeah. yeah. Clint Owens. But so Clint's been, Clint's been bullying Lucas like nonstop and Lucas is very quiet again, hence the quiet boy is the original, Mm -hmm. the title of the short story, but he's been bullying him. And then all of a sudden when he's in the woods getting ready to bully him is when this is when they've realized the Wendigo's gotten loose and he just like, he's like, you see it kind of jump down from the tree, but you don't fully see it, but you see the boys framed through the antlers, Mm -hmm. which was a cool effect. I like that scene. And I don't mind that part of it. I think my biggest issue was the main thing of them trying to mesh together so many metaphors and like so many different things into such a short period of time. This would be one of those things that would be really good as like a TV miniseries where you could actually flesh everything out a lot more. Yeah, I agree. I will say this: Jeremy T. Thomas as Lucas, he was great. Oh no, that I like zero issues with any of the actors. Like I think I think his character was a really smart character. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of this kid who's really torn between, you know, protecting his dad and his younger brother and this horrible thing that's happening. And he's like, he's killing animals and bringing it 
things to eat, his dad things to eat and stuff like that. Like he's hiding, he's harboring this thing and he's trying to make sure it doesn't get out. Ultimately he wants to protect his dad and his brother. Mm -hmm. And he's so conflicted. And I really like that character. And I think that character was great. And it's a shame that the rest of the movie kind of let, let that down. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I wanted so bad for, like I said, where they discussed the Wendigo with Graham Greene, I wanted so bad for them to really explain the original legend. The original Wendigo is not described as having like the antlers or even being like an animal-human hybrid. That's not even part of it. The only thing that's inhuman is that they were said to be giants with like a heart of ice, which again, that with the red inside didn't make as much sense. But if they had done that with like blue inside, I think that could have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a note when I was making notes of this and I was like, heart of ice, Elsa got them. <laughs> <laughs> But they're supposed to really have like a really foul odor and their approach is supposed to be heralded by a chill. It all comes from this idea of a human that ate, you know, another human. Mm -hmm. And it's usually not in the sense of there was no choice. They were starving like, you know, like the soccer team in the that crashed into the mountains. Yeah. And though they made the movie alive about that. Yeah. So it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be like almost like someone willingly did this. And not as like a last minute, like, you know, need to survive kind of situation. And this is where we get into where I was talking about earlier, the ICD-10. It's not, I don't think it's been, ever been put in the DSM, but I know it's in the ICD-10. They actually call it Wendigo Psychosis. Hmm. And I will get an exact quote from that just so that we can hear exactly the way it's worded in the ICD-10. Wendigo, with various spellings, indigenous people of Northeast America. Rare historic accounts of cannibalistic obsession. Traditionally, cases were ascribed to possession, with victims, usually male, turning into cannibal monsters. Symptoms included depression, homicidal and suicidal thoughts, and a delusional, compulsive wish to eat human flesh. Most victims were socially ostracized or put to death. Early research described episodes as hysterical psychosis prescribed by chronic food shortages and cultural myths about starvation and Wendigo monsters. Some controversial news studies questioned the syndrome's legitimacy, claiming cases were actually a product of hostile accusations invented to justify the victim's ostracism or execution. And again, that's the ICD-10 classification of Mental and Behavioral Disorders World Health Organization. And for anyone that's not aware, ICD is the International Classification of Diseases. But again, that's where, that's pretty much what it is, isn't it? What they consider Wendigo psychosis is like, there's a very famous case, one probably one of the most famous, and I think actually both lore as well as I want to say myths and legends and a couple other podcasts have all talked about this case because it's so famous. It was a Plains Cree trapper and he was um, from Alberta. His name was Swift Runner. And during the winter of 1878, him and his family were starving. There was just like a really bad winter. They were locked up in this place and supposedly couldn't get to the emergency food supplies that the Hudson Bay Company had at like one of their outposts. So his eldest son dies and Initially, what supposedly happened, because again, no one was there to see this, but essentially Swift Warner comes back and explains that his eldest son died and that, you know, I think he basically says that, you know, the family had no choice to eat him, but acts like the rest of the family just happened to naturally die. And eventually comes out that he butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. And the main thing with him resorting to cannibalism when there's food supplies within 25 miles, they felt that Swift Runner's case was not a case of pure cannibalism as, you know, something that was like kind of like a last resort. They were starving, had no choice. 
Uh, but they considered it Wendigo psychosis because eventually he confesses and he's executed at Fort Saskatchewan by authorities there. But he pointed out where his family had passed away and then they dug up the bones and everything they found where it had been like chewed on and the marrow sucked out. Like it was bad. But again, within 25 miles, while that during a fad winter, uh, quite an ordeal between that and eating your family. I guess he thought since he had so many kids, he had quite the buffet in front of him. I... And the wife. But yeah, and there's, there's other famous cases. That's probably the most famous. But the other thing with it that they bring up a lot of times in with more modern psychiatry about Wendigo psychosis is it's characterized by the craving for human flesh. But it also apparently they always consider it like a cultural bound syndrome because you don't really see it outside of First Nations, Native American cultures. But apparently in some First Nation communities, they also list symptoms such as insatiable greed and destruction of the environment as part of Wendigo psychosis, which I thought was interesting, especially considering up there where they're, you know, they had done a lot of destruction of, for the mines and everything. Sure. Their lands have been destroyed. Yeah. I mean, there still was a very beautiful area. I mean, you could see there was tons of trees, but again, the, the yeah. negative impact of mining, I guess it could be worse. They could have lit the whole goddamn mine on fire like in Centralia. Yeah, that... Really worked out great, didn't it? Yeah. You mentioned about a Frozen part and how they didn't do that. You know, what we, like you mentioned the movie Frozen. What we really need is Olaf, apparently. Yes, Olaf would somehow fix all of this. An act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. Yeah, I don't think that's how this works in this case. Maybe just it needed it to be summer. I feel like there is no summer in, in Oregon. and like Yeah, it's just the rainy season, 11 months of the year. Though I know part of Oregon is like desert and stuff, but yeah. this was not the desert part. This was, no, definitely not. And again, that's, I've, we've been to Oregon. We've been in those like forests. They are fucking oh gorgeous. I love it there. But I guess, again, my big issue was that there was so much they could have done with this. Like I said, I would have loved for them to have this explanation of like, Here's the original legend. Here's some examples of things that have happened. And here's how, like, basically when white people came in and fucked everything up, mm-hmm. they became they get rid of the Grantlers. I don't know. Like, I find some way. I'm not a TV writer. Some TV writer could write this and explain this better than me. Yeah. But I would just love to have seen it where, like, here's the original legend. And here's why it's formed into this. And we could always see and throw in a jab at, like, white people being terrible. Yeah. While we're at that. I mean, you could get creative with it. It just fell under, oh, big scary monster. And I was like, I, again, I felt like it was, are we going to have big scary monster or are we going to have real deep narrative? And it just felt like they couldn't decide between the two. They could have had both. They could have, but it just felt like that they tried so much between both and it just, I don't know, it just didn't work however they did it. Well, that and the other different themes they were trying to do, again, it movie ended up being very schizophrenic because it couldn't, it was going in eight directions when it should have had more of a central focus. And if it would have been a little more focused, then I think we would have ended up with a much better film in general. Yeah. But it couldn't decide on what kind of movie it wanted to be. So it just kind of became the lesser form of all of them. I wonder, and I could be wrong, but I wonder since there was, I think three different screenwriters, if somehow having multiple screenwriters messed with it a bit. Big studio, fuck up a movie. Never. I know. I, I've, like I said, I've read, I hadn't, haven't had a chance to finish it, but from what I've read so far of Nick Acosta's short story, I, I just already can tell it's going to probably be better and it's going to be like, God damn it, they could have done X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But 
Before we get into our ratings, because I don't have too much I want to say other than I was disappointed, I did want to take a moment to point out with his short story, the very first line practically says it's supposed to be in this place called Rexford, West Virginia, which was, well, as far as I know, Rexford's not a real town in West Virginia. If it is, and I missed it somehow, someone correct me. I'm going to quote the exact, one of the first lines in the first paragraph. This little town built around a dead railroad station, Rexford, West Virginia. Another teacher had told her the unofficial town motto was hills, whores, and liquor stores. And I sat there and read this and I was like, God damn it, they sound like they're talking about my where I went to high school, which is in Brunswick, Maryland, because that town's motto was hills, whores, and liquor stores. And her mascot was the railroaders. And we had like a little train that went through there. I was like, that must be a really odd coincidence. And I look up and I see that he's born in like Louisiana. I'm like, see, it's an odd coincidence. I do some more digging and find out, no, he was born in Louisiana. But when he was five, he moved to Frederick County, Maryland, lived in Thurmont for a while, and then moved to Brunswick and grew up in my town. And I was, the just, influence. I was just like, because I'm thinking hills, whores, and liquor stores. I was like, that must just be a saying that a bunch of towns have. Nope. Nope. That is just a Brunswick thing. If there's another town out there, apparently it's pure coincidence. But if you even look up that saying, what pops up immediately is Urban Dictionary citing it from Brunswick, Maryland. So apparently that's just our thing. Because there is an unusually large amount of liquor stores in that town. And hills. And oh whores, God, apparently. <laughs> some of those hills, though, you seriously, like, I thought my, I, first time I drove down, again, this is me very early driving, so I'm still a little nervous. It was, like, right when I first started being allowed to drive to school in the morning and everything. And at, for, at some point, I was in Brunswick or something, and I went to go down a hill, and I was in my mom's SUV. It was a little Hyundai Santa Fe. And I remember going down, I'm like, this car is going to flip forward somehow, because it felt like I was going, like, straight down. There are was, some hills in Pittsburgh like oh, that, I know. that, like. We drove around in the winter. Now, I wouldn't drive down them. Even in the summer, I didn't want to drive down them because they were so steep. Yeah. And these had houses, like, built into the side of this hill. Like, Yeah. And I'm just like, no. No, definitely not. But also his mom, is, as far as I know today, is still a teacher at Tuscarora Elementary School, which is the school that actually was, like, the elementary school that was the feeder school into where I went to middle school, which was Ballinger Creek Middle School. Now, here's what's funny. In his story, at one point, he refers to an area that's supposed to be, like, kind of like the the newish suburb is what he refers to it as. He has the newish suburb outside of Rexford, filled with D.C. commuters who lived out here because taxes were lower. And he calls it Ballard Creek. And I'm like, if this isn't Ballinger Creek, then I don't know what it is. Because <laughs> that area was so... Very much like a yuppie area and... People who drink a lot of wine and put their pinky fingers out when mm -hmm. they drink something. Oh, that is totally Ballinger Creek area. Because that was a part of... A lot of people moved to Frederick because even my parents, they grew up... I was technically born in Montgomery County and it got so expensive in Montgomery County because all the people from D.C. moved to Montgomery County. And then that got so expensive, all those people moved to Frederick County. And now that's gotten so expensive, everyone's moving down over to Washington County where uh, Hagerstown is, so... Mm -hmm. They just keep going farther and farther away. Yeah, it gets to the point where you're getting pretty far from DC, really. Yeah, but yeah, I like was I was when I was looking this up, I typed out. I was like, I was like, that's the middle school that Tuscarora Elementary feeds into. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I miss Frederick. Frederick's a great little town. I miss pizza pretzel creations. Mm -hmm. So for anyone that happens to be going through there, just keep my. If you look up pizza pretzel creations, it's actually pretzel. Pizza. It's pretzel and pizza creations, but pizza pretzel flows off my tongue better, and that's mm -hmm. what everyone I know calls it. So mm -hmm. it's great. They will pretty much make anything you want in like focaccia bread. In focaccia bread, anything you want. 
like you can bring in some sort of meat, whatever that you can bring in, snack cookies and and they'll wrap it. In they'll it. wrap but they, it. In, but they also so thing of things they have already just there. They have pretzel wrapped Oreos, pretzel wrapped Reese's cups. They have pretzels that have like Old Bay infused in them, mm-hmm. like. If you want it pretzel related and like, a, like imagine like a pizza, but with like pretzel dough, essentially now it's focaccia bread, but it tastes like pretzels. Yeah. It's delicious. Like, oh, it's I some of it. the best pizza I've ever had. I'm going to go to bed. So fucking hungry tonight. Mm-hmm. Dreaming of my pizza pretzel. Right. So with that, do you want to get into our ratings? Yeah, we can do that. I think another, another thing before we do. Yes. Go. It's just so disappointing. They couldn't have really stuck to the, to the actual folklore of this. And the legend, it keeps sticking in my head that they could have merged this better with the kid and the story with his dad and everything because it was a good narrative. And I, just, I also want to give a, a good shout out to the actors because it was very, very well performed movie. I just felt like just struggled. Yeah, I, I just feel like at the end, it feels like there's no conclusion, I think was part of my problem. Yeah, because it, it the, the evil spirit. They in, Seems insinuate tran- that it's like transferred it, onto onto both Paul and Lucas because they both were like kind of coughing up that like but brown especially stuff. Paul cause Paul coughed up the brown crap. Well, he coughed it up, but remember Lucas was sitting there like eating something out of like the water, and they were like, mm-hmm. "What are going to do with him?" When basically he kind of transforms, and they're like, "I don't know." Like so then Paul was, started hacking it up. It's like yeah, so okay. it kind of implies it's just going to keep spreading, and I don't know if that's meant to be like the idea that there's no solution to like just this abuse and addiction and all the like it just. And I understand a lot of movies end with kind of like that, oh no, it's snuck into someone else or something, but it just felt like if you're going to make it this deep of a narrative, have some kind of solution with it too. Yeah. Even if it's not going to be 100% like fix everybody, it felt like this could only one jump to one person at a time. So it doesn't feel like it's a, that good of a metaphor for, you know, the opiate crisis or yeah. for abuse or any other kind of addiction because that doesn't just affect one person. Exactly. It all just falls apart. It's just, it's so loosely threaded that when you tug on the thread a little bit it just all falls apart. yeah it just unravels completely so yeah. that, that was my biggest issue with it and again i feel like that i probably wouldn't have had so many issues with it had i not built it up so much so like i still have the issues but i feel like it's i wouldn't be as disappointed because i if i got to ra- watch it right away i'd been like oh that was only just okay i will say that i didn't have the same build and anticipation that you did i wanted to see it and I was still really disappointed because I was excited that the idea of the Wendigo and that they were going to do that legend justice and they didn't. That, and that was my issue. And again, I don't have an issue with them because obviously, like I said, the over the years, the legend has just transformed. And I don't know if you want to consider it whitewashed because of the fact that it's transformed into this creature with like half human, half, you know, animal with but that's antlers. How, that's how a lot of legends happen though you know they start as one thing and they kind of the telephone game starts passing down to become some other weird thing i, I yes. like the origin story better though well, they need but, to stick with that but yes and no so i don't mind stuff changing but i feel like there's been a lot of cases like this with a lot of native american folklore that has that it seems like when it started changing was when white people got involved essentially that's my problem when white people get involved it usually doesn't end well no but and again obviously we are white i'm not sitting there being like all white people are bad no but but a lot of people have bastardized this culture and for total detriment and their culture is an absolutely beautiful one that should be celebrated not repressed yeah let's move on to our ratings so overall as a film 
What are you thinking? I was going to give it a two. I toyed a little bit between a two and a three. Like if I was doing a half, it'd probably be a two and a half, but I'm going to bump it down to the two. If I'm, if I'm not doing halves, I'm bumping it down instead of up. For me, this was nowhere near a three. It wasn't even close. It's teetering on a high one for me, but I, I'd, I'll round up and give it a two. I think that's fair. It's not a horrible movie. If you want something that takes the very, 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 very bare-bones basics of a much more deeper and interesting legend and kind of makes it into a pseudo-monster flick with kind of basic horror tropes or whatever, you might get something out of this. Some of the characters are genuinely interesting. I'd say the the whole Weaver family is very interesting. I say Lucas Weaver is a great character and was played really well and written very well. Other than that, it, it just falls apart. Yeah, I, I, that's my thing also is I feel like all the kudos in the world to the actors, they all did great, but the story is where it really falls apart for me. Yeah, they try to also talk about the abuse that the family, not the family that had the infected, but the Meadows family, that Julia and Paul's dad was this horrifically abusive monster oh yeah that and was, i feel like that was the other thing they tried to like throw that they tried to shoehorn that in and i felt okay if you wanted to really focus on that you could have done that completely but again it just it felt like it was, was just too sho- much happening it was too much happening elsewhere where that was just shoehorned in just to exist and i feel like if you're going to focus on that, they could have focused a little harder on that. But again, they're trying to do too much at once. And yeah, it just, it, it fell apart of the seams. So it's a two for me. Scary factor? I'd say a two. I wasn't really that scared of anything in this. I mean, there's a couple moments where there's some jump scares and, you know, to very, very atypical jump scares. You have a few impalings from oh, the Wendigo. Like, I've been impaled. <laughs> But yeah, like the scene- it's not really that scary to me. I th- I think if it could have been a lot scarier if they really would have focused in on the actual legend and given some realistic stuff about the legend, which is much more horrifying and scary than anything that was presented in this movie. It just was not scary to me. I mean, some people might find the basic stuff a little scary, but to me, it just fell way short of the mark. Yeah. What about you? I'm the same. I think it's a two. There's, again, especially the scene where the most probably tense, scary scene is when Lucas and Julia are at her house and Paul is somewhere else, I think, researching. So I forget what Paul's doing. He's somewhere else. (laughs) But when they're there and Dan comes over to, which is like the deputy, I guess, for Paul, comes over to check on everything. And that's when it, he kind of gets lured into the the shed by Aiden. Aiden sitting like in like a little box in the shed or something, and then the Wendigo, aka Frank Weaver, his father, comes in and just like crashes through him and again does the uh, the Olaf. Oh look, I've been impaled. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then like, that part was a little tense and creepy and whatnot. And again, the actual when we get to the scene of where she faces off, where Julia faces off with the Wendigo, and you know is. Yeah, Lucas gets taken up there and she's just like desperate to protect Lucas. And I think she's desperate to protect him because she sees Lucas kind of like her. But yeah, the dif- her and her like her and her brother. Yeah. But the difference is that 
I don't feel that Lucas and Aiden were actually abused, at least in that sense. Like, she was horrifically abused. Like, like this but guy yeah, was a fucking nightmare. It, it just implied that he was raping her, too, I yeah, believe. Yeah, so. and it's like, this guy was a meth dealer, and that's about it. And again, we don't know for sure, but from everything in this movie, it's implied that that's pretty much the worst mm-hmm. of him as he's a meth dealer, which is bad, don't it's, get me wrong. It's not great, but it's also but it people like, in a horrible situation of a yeah. dying town trying to survive, and they get desperate and they do desperate things. But he didn't seem like he was a bad dad to any of the kids. Yeah, he seemed like you he know. really loved his kids. He yeah, tried, was like, trying to protect it's them. Like Aiden, like when at the beginning of the movie, the kid was happy as punch to be with his dad, and, oh, yeah. and they they were joking around and stuff like that. You know, it's like he didn't seem like this horrible monster of a dad who was abusing his kids. So the parallel just doesn't work. No, and I think though. And I could be wrong, but I think they were trying to imply that's why she was so protective. Is she saw, that's why she saw something that wasn't there because of what happened to her, I think was kind of what yeah. they were getting at. But again, so many different metaphors Such and things. Such a loose just, thread, and it wasn't really built properly or followed up right. It just fell apart. Yeah. Music I, sound. I'm going to give it a three. There was quite a bit of good like music in this and a lot of like tense building with the music. Nothing that's going to... Be like, this is, I need this soundtrack to listen to. But it still wasn't bad. It's just, again, very middle of the road for me. Yeah. It's very horror by numbers in a lot of ways. The music was good. Didn't stand out as anything special, but it's better than other parts of it. So I think a three is relatively fair. Is that what you're going with as well? Yeah, I think I'll go with a three on that. Music was good. I, I think it, it built a lot of tension in scenes where it, desperately needed help building legitimate tension yeah so i think the music helped elevate certain parts of this movie and next we have effects what are your thoughts effects were fine i don't think that's where this movie fell apart movie fell apart with a lackluster story that had no focus the facts i say were a three again pretty run-of-the-mill these days i think there's parts of it that seem like they were cgi that were kind of meh I would have liked some more practicality, but I always want more practicality these days. And and a bigger, more mainstream movie like this, I know I can't really expect as much of that. What was done was fine. Wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. Just kind of average. So, a three. Yeah, I was teetering between a three and a four because I did like the design of the Wendigo. But I also feel like I liked the design... But I didn't like that it was so CGI. I think that the actual like head of it in certain parts was not CGI. I think they did use a practical effect for part of that. Mm-hmm. But and again, like the makeup and design for like where the kid, like when Aiden had like those, those like like it looked almost like his blood turned black, and you could just see yeah. it under his skin. I like it when like it, it burst out of the guy. Yeah, and like when the it effect, burst out of the dad. Yeah, and I the effect of cool. just like the the leftover body of that, mm-hmm. I think was good. If I was doing halves, I'd do three and a half, but I'm gonna again, I'm gonna push it down to the to a three, or round down, set up. And finally, gore. Last but not least, I'll give gore level a three. Yeah, I was thinking the same. We were pretty aligned in this movie. It has it. It has some moments that, like again, the the kind of maturation and bursting out of the shell instead of a chest burster it's a full-on mm-hmm. body burster mm-hmm. and it's doesn't leave a whole lot to the imagination yeah some of the kills are a little grisly like especially what happens to the um the principal mm-hmm. that was that that was not for the faint of heart so it definitely has its moments is it up there with like 
hardcore splatter films now. I mean, ultimately, this is a pretty mainstream flick. Yeah. But, you know, it has its moments. I don't think... It, it doesn't ever go overboard for me, but it doesn't leave much to the imagination either. And there's some some stuff that's kind of gory. So I'd say about a three. Yeah. We did it once again. Yep. So overall, it's not terrible. I don't I don't regret watching it. You know, I'm glad we gave it a shot. Glad we watched it. It wasn't a terrible movie. Is it something I'm going to revisit? Absolutely not. No. This could have been done better. I'm sure there are other better movies about the Wendigo legend that are a lot better than this. I haven't seen them or heard of them, really, but I definitely do want to investigate that a little more and see what else is out there. If you have, anyone has a suggestion, please drop us one, because I would love to hear it, because this is a legend that's incredibly interesting to me. And if it's been portrayed better, I definitely would like to see it, because this was not it. Yeah, I'll let you know after I finish reading the short story how good it is, and yeah. I'll let our listeners know as well if it's. Good. I'm sure I, it, it, it it's lo- better. It's been good, but good so far. I just haven't had a chance. It's a short story. It's not super long. Yeah. I just haven't had a chance to finish it. I'm sure it's better than the movie, which <laughs> happens a lot, but most of the time, yeah. But yeah, with that, I say thanks for listening to our amateur rambles as usual, and until next time, this has been We All Pod down here. I'm Brittany, and I'm Dan. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid.